This is the Dope Black Dad podcast. My name is Marvin Harrison. I hope everyone is okay at home. Today, we have elevated ourselves in a beautiful way, not only in terms of audio, but as well as visually. We are in the uh, Spotify UK offices and they have loaned us their space to make this podcast. So thanks to them. But the most important thing is that I am not alone. Sometimes I'm alone. Often I am alone. (laughs) 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 But I'm not alone right now. I am with the wonderful Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Hello, Marvin. So uh, can can you just reel up Leslie the legend? The legend legend. that is Leslie. Wow. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to come back to you, though. Wow. I'm also with Darwood. Darwood's been my longtime co-conspirator in the world of audio land, but also personally with my children, with my family, with my personal life. And, and mentor, guidance, lover and sometimes. Anything else? Lover. Like, not that kind of lover. You <laughs> okay. know what I mean? Like, I love you, bro. Yeah, I love you too. This is a serious bromance. No, this is a real bromance, yeah. <laughs> love this. But the way you've made it weird, and now let's take a moment of pause and reflection as we sit and think about how yeah. that is never going to happen. I, I think I started us off on a toxic... No, 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 not yet. Not uh, yet. And we also have with us uh, from South Africa. She just got flown in and the immigration said that she can stay a little bit longer. Welcome, Ramantha. <laughs> How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so good. We have a South African voice. So first and foremost, <laughs> I'm going to start with Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, so mom. can I tell you how you got here, by the way? Tell me. So what happened is, yeah, we've all experienced you independently at different times. Mm. Okay. Which has been a joy. And then we all went to Margate. We went to Margate. Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> a proper holiday, that is. Proper holiday. Cape um, Coast. Yeah, it's basically the Spain of England. So we went to Margate <laughs> and we had an amazing all-day hangout by the beach. Someone was trying to make chicken on a bad day barbecue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a disposable barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it worked. I, I, didn't, I didn't get to eat it. It disappeared before. I, I, yeah. bri- I briefly saw it and I looked the other way. You didn't oh, try okay. any. Mm. You think you may have missed out? That it chicken looks, was well. Se- that chicken was seasoned. Was it seasoned? Oh yeah. I do not the, believe that it wasn't seasoned. Mm, it's mm. just the, the 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 barbecue infrastructure was disrespectful. <laughs> oh, you need the full Monty, <laughs> the right? The barbecue infrastructure. <laughs> yeah. So so then we we all met there. Yes. And then we were like, oh, we're going to do a podcast on Spotify and we're okay. going to do a very special episode. Who should we invite? And everyone at the exact same time, well, slightly not at the same time because we weren't in the same place, but each person said the exact same name and it was you. Now, if we're trying to contextualize, because I don't even know this answer, by the way. Okay. If we had to contextualize <laughs> who you are in the world beyond the fact that we just all really appreciate you, mm-hmm. how would you, how would you, what's the calling card? Why, why would they then reach out and be like, I want to work with Leslie on what? Oh, right. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but one thing that I promote in my lifestyle and mm. going forward in, in everything that I do is intentional joy. Mm. Oh, intentional joy. My, um, outside of everything that I do in life, mm-hmm. bringing people together, gathering, breaking bread, sharing mm-hmm. is what I love doing. Events, dinners, anything that brings people together where they can decompress, mm. have a good time, not worry, be themselves. You just sound like my female equivalent. That's basically I what I do that. all the time. I love that. <laughs> I just love that. We don't have or create enough time for that sometimes. So yeah. I intentionally make that happen. Yeah. That's exactly what the day Margate was. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. My, my, my whole thing that, that afternoon was 
just let it go yeah <laughs> try not to network just be in yourself be in your moment yeah. enjoy yourself some yeah. people were trying to network i know and we were we were looking at them like this is not the time this is not the time not to now. promote things no. <laughs> i was gonna say products only. <laughs> the, distinct, the distinct moment i remember from that margate day is we we were going around trying to find the actual <laughs> spot where everyone was the secret spot and at some point I just heard someone screaming, oh my God, we're down here. <laughs> and it was yeah. Leslie. And I was yeah. like, are they talking to us? Mm. I, at first, I didn't know it was Leslie. Mm. I was like, surely that's, is that our people? Because mm. <laughs> yeah. we were joining another group. Mm. So I wasn't sure if it was the our little group or mm. was it was this the bigger group. I just said, we're down here. Come on down. <laughs> I didn't that's even right. recognize you. No, I didn't and recognize you. Marvin goes, oh, there's Jimmy. And that's what I was like, yes, definitely our people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, is that our people? That's where that's where I want to go. That's yes, where I want to be. Yeah. So you you set the tone for the whole day, I think. Come just, on down. Just, just come join us, find a spot. It was like that's a safe right. space on the beach for black folk. It was. It was. It was, yeah. it was my first time on the coast of Yes. Of England. I've never in anywhere been on the coast. Oh, really? So it was my first time down at a beach. You had a great And I had heard about... I had Because <laughs> you were there, right? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of may have helped. So, so the, the drive up was just um, very palm coloured. Palm? Palm coloured. Um, Explain, that I was, Explain that to What does that mean? Yeah. It was just very caucasian. Along oh, that, that strip okay. Of the, she said it. Okay. That mm -hmm. first strip. Hey. That first strip. It was so. It was full. Mm -hmm. I, I was like, where are we going to sit? And where are our people? I don't mm -hmm. see one person of color here. Where are we? Yeah, and then market. we drove further down, further down, further down, further down. I'm so like, how what, long what, is this beach? What Leslie <laughs> did <laughs> was find a spot that was Oh, it, it was only like the locals beach. know. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, because we, we went and saw all the, like, where the tourists and everyone That's goes. Right. Yeah. And that the day trippers from London. It was yeah. that strip mm -hmm. that scared me. And I was like, is this right. where we're going? Right. So, also, I was very disappointed that there were no waves. But then, upon oh. research, I found out that it's the English Canal, and that's why there's no waves. But you know what? It's just me and my Africanisms. You know, trying, <laughs> you know. You it's my Africanisms. I, I wanted a proper barbecue and I wanted proper waves. And she would need a boogie board too. By yeah. the I, I feel like waves and brides are two things that if you don't have, you're just lost. It's then like, why wait. are you at the beach? Why are you there? <laughs> oh, but I'll have you know, um, at that part of the Kent coast, if you were to travel or walk further down for about 15, 20 minutes, you can actually hire... Um, Paddle boards. You've missed out on the jet skis, yeah. sister. If you needed mm. to do that, you just needed to say. We need to go back next time. Here we are annual, 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 annual 100%. event. One hundred percent. I actually spoke to, to um, Jimmy that mm. kind of organised it with you, and he he said that he was telling bare people on the date. Look, if you're meant to be there, you're, you're there. If you're not supposed to be there, don't come. And when they started seeing all the pictures, there was like, oh, I wish yeah, I made I the effort. But I think that's the thing. And, and by the way, we have mm. to put the date out there because I don't remember the date right now but we have to just say this is the date that mm. we are all going yeah. and make it an annual fest and start planning mm. in advance yes. because and I, I don't even mind going to Margate local council or whatever it is 
to to just secure that part of the beach. Right. I want to get sound systems. Mm. I want to oh, wow. go in. You want to go in. I want to be black there. about it. If we're gonna no, do, look, yeah. be black yeah. about when, it. When, do, you when, when, when do you remember when Fat Boy Slim did something down in in Brighton yes, and do. it just went absolutely, absolutely yeah. crazy? I think crazy. it could easily turn into like it could something like that because they're gonna see it as like we're making the economy better, which is what our goal is. We're not here just for fun. We want to help the the area. Mm. You know. Yeah, I think um, Margate certainly. Um, well, that part of Margate isn't mm. used to seeing, you know, people of color congregate in that way. Mm. And as you could tell, yeah, feel, yeah, yeah. people were happy. Yeah. I mean, generally, in, but in everyone in that Margate, walked past as they, well, they were, they were like happy mm. to this see us. Great. They were like, "Oh, hello, a flavor, yeah. some seasoning, hello, and some chicken. Vibes. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they could smell the there, food. There was there was a a, a family besides us That's and right. whatnot, and they kept. I know, I know, yeah. I know. Like, they, they did accuse us of stealing, but we won't get into that. Oh, anyway, oh, so, so I didn't know that. before we get into what we're actually here for, uh-huh. I really wanted to give a really important message. So yesterday, um, a schoolgirl was murdered in Croydon um, and it's touched everybody in, in different ways. And I think in some ways for men, it's hard to hear that men are doing this. And I think there's a, a layer of denial in some some circles of men. Of, of like the impact and the scale of what the problem is. And listening to women, it just sounds like, and again, another one. Yeah. And it's constantly scary existing as a woman and the idea of rejecting a man. So anyone who doesn't know, um, Eliana Andam, she's 15. Uh, I'll read it out um, as it's coming through the news report. So the family of a schoolgirl and aspiring lawyer stabbed to death as she got off a bus in Croydon has said that they are heartbroken that her life has been taken much love, Eliana died after being knifed in the neck with a foot-long blade during the Wednesday morning rush hour in Croydon. Her aunt Marion told The Standard on Thursday uh, that she went to private school, paid by sister, and had a great future ahead of her. She wanted to be a lawyer. She also loved gymnastics and doing her hair. We are a big family and support each other. We are devastated. We can't comprehend the heartbreak of the last 24 hours. She went to school and didn't come home. It hasn't sunk in my sister has not feeling good. This is a tragedy. The aunt was speaking at her home just half a mile away from the crime scene. Detectives have been given extra time to question a 17-year-old boy over the murder of Eliana, who was stabbed on her way to school. A Met Police spokesman on Thursday said magistrates granted officers a further 24 hours to hold a teenage suspect, suspect until Friday morning. A post-mortem examination to determine the cause of death is scheduled for Thursday. Eliana was a pupil of Old Palace, of John Whitf- of John Whitfield School in Croydon, the 17-year-old boy who knew the victim was arrested just over an hour after the attack, which took place on a bus, uh, sorry, on a busy Wensley Road at around 8:30 a.m. T- to be honest, like, and I and I, I kind of speak as a, as just a man, as a I speak as a man first. It's very difficult to hear that a young man of 17 is dating a 17-year-old who's still in school. Carrying 15 a year. fifteen, sorry, fifteen-year-old in school, carrying a foot-long knife, um, and somehow has created a relationship where um, he's felt that it is normal to pull out a knife and stab someone in the neck for any reason, uh, and it's even sadder that it was based around, you know, him being rejected, which just shows the fragility of so many young men. And how prob- how much, how big the problem is, and then I then I go into like father mode, and I get even sadder because I think if that was ever my daughter, you know, I wouldn't be able to create peace on earth while I'm still in it. So yeah. it, it's one of those things where 
it's a, a huge wake-up call. So first, I think first thing is it's very sad and we have to think about the family and the girl who will never be the person who she wanted to be, though she will never become the lawyer that she wanted and how big of a loss that is for society. Then there's a layer of like, let's look at this problem that we have with young men. And then I also it's, just think about myself. It's not just young men. It's well, to men. be fair, it's definitely not young men, but I think there's a particular breed of violence in young men where that makes that even more possible uh, in the way that it happens. And so I think it's young men, while we're trying to build a new generation of healthy men, and maybe we can't stop a 45-year-old man, and we may not know that man, but the young men that are coming up, we have to create a generation who are really open to understanding the impact of being a man um, at this time, or being a young boy at this time, and what that may mean um, for them going into the future. And I feel like they're reachable in a way that older men are not. Um, so then I think about it in all of those layers and I'm just filled with deep, deep sadness. And so as we're doing this podcast, which is about saluting our sisters, it's only right that we honor her uh, and the life that she had up to date uh, and ultimately what we lost. Yeah. I'm sad and I'm really sad, but I'm really angry. Like that just, I, I, I couldn't even read the reports. Like, just men just need to be just we just need to fix up we just need to fix up like i'm watching younger women become more aggressive because they have to deal with this stuff day in day out and that and i remember just when i started hearing young women calling each other bruv and i was like what's that and then i realized that they've just had to up their levels because the younger men have got even more aggressive so they had to keep getting do you mean like tap into like a masculinity yeah just so that they can protect themselves and i'm just like yeah this, this is a it's a major problem but it's it's the men like i i hit my son once in his life when he was six and it's because he kicked his mum and, and I've, I've said it on the podcast before i don't i don't believe in hitting children but when he kicked his mum i asked him why did you do that and as he went to answer, I slapped him. Why did you kick your mum? And he went to answer again. I raised my hand and he went silent. And I goes, good. There's no reason to ever raise your hand to a woman or your mum. If a woman's doing something, walk away. Once you start feeling that thing, just walk away so that you can collect your thoughts. Because it is always a no-win situation when you engage in violence with a woman. It's a no-win situation. You can't win. A uh, thing is, I can't tell if this is like an, a, a pandemic or if this is we're getting all the stories out loud and the scale is still the same. Yeah. I can't actually tell. So that when I was raised, my mum let it be very clear that there is a massive problem in this area yeah. and mm -hmm. it is out of control and I'm not raising any men like this. So for, in my mind, it's always to take five steps away before that's even possible. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting now, it feels like it's everywhere. And yeah. I don't know if that's social media or if people are just being bold enough to speak up and, and put context to the issue, um, or if there's a genuine increase. I, I, I can't tell, but it feels like it's everywhere. Well, the, the men have got a name now, they're called incels. And, that, and when you think of an incel, like, the stereotype is to think of some white guy in his mum's basement and whatnot on the internet. It's not fair. But it's not fair to to call violent men insults because that places a specific group of men out there that can only do that. And 
it also places a group of men that might not look like they will ever hit a woman yeah. in yeah. a category that they would never That's true. necessarily be in. So I think categorizing people who can be violent is very problematic. Mm. So incels are the extremes, but it can, it can happen across the board. And that's why women have developed, I know in South Africa, women have developed this blanket statement that, you know, after death fear men. And... Mm. It's it's unnecessary. Wow. Say that again. Yikes. Wow. It's 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 that's the point that's the levels that you're talking about. And I don't think it has reached here yet because gender based violence in South Africa is it's it's the real pandemic. Yes, yeah, it's, it's over it's here as well. Real like, during pandemic. the pandemic. Actually during the pandemic. Yeah. And before. And before. But, but during the pandemic to, it got worse. Just to Marvin's After question. England play and lose it gets worse yeah like it's 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 it's, it's a serious serious I think problem. At, during the pandemic we could just see it more because we were locked in but um and also social media was just the tool for us to communicate with people outside of our homes so it was more visible mm. um i think when when you asked uh, is it just increasing or has it always been around me and Nizzy looked at each other because i think uh i've experienced and you can go next but i've experienced um a very violent childhood as well in terms of people around me just mm. being beaten up. Mm. Um, I've never physically experienced that. My mom never physically experienced that. But in my grandmom's home, uh, it was a family home. And my aunt used to beat her girlfriend in the house and no one would say anything. Physically, with f not, not smack, not push, not with fists. Mm. Wow. And she she was the more masculine partner and um, she had the strength of five men. I just never understood it. But she was just always angry and she would beat up on her girlfriend, which was her friend at the time. Okay. But the family knew it was her girlfriend. And so the violence was around in the house. I remember when I was, I was really little. I think I might have been seven and I grew up with my great grand. And we were sleeping in the same bed, me and her. And my uncle, who stayed in this family house, came home drunk. But I think he was high off of something else as well because he was very violent. And he chased us bare feet in the rain. My, mom my grandma had to go and seek refuge somewhere. Now, things like that will never be on social media. You won't find mm. a 20-year-old chasing his grandma down the road um, and... Yeah, I, I remember fearing for our lives that night. Mm. Um, I, it's probably a memory that's been suppressed. But now that you talk about it, it's just always been there. Mm. Yeah, And um, I think social media has obviously brought it to the forefront, but also the Me Too movement, the, the fact that people feel like there is a platform for justice out there if I speak. So it's not just about speaking about it. It's speaking about it in the hopes that someone will either come and beat him up for me mm. or go and lay a case at the police office on my behalf or yeah. at least just support me in some way. Absolutely. Whereas back then, and this was the 90s, um, yeah, I don't think social media was a thing. It wasn't in, in South Africa, at, at least. Well, quite often what happens is, um, you know, the family protects those individuals that are the perpetrators, whether it's just... Yeah. Um, a, 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 it starts off quite low level. It starts off name calling, disrespectful language. 
hundred percent because because my uncle didn't go to jail. Exactly. He mm. just slept in a cell for the night until he recovered That's and then right. was back home again. Um, and we quite often protect these men, and then these men then have their own children, their siblings, and quite clearly they haven't learned the lesson of what they've done, the seriousness of what they've done. Mm. So then it it almost carries on down that family line. Um, but, you know, I grew up luckily um, in a blessed family home with an absolutely fantastic father and mother. But what I noticed is um, some of my younger friends um, that didn't grow up in homes where there was a balance, that they were experiencing violence that I'd never witnessed or experienced or seen before. And it was really worrying. I mean, when I grew up at school, um, there were young ladies who must have been age 14, 15, who were getting like attacked or beaten up by young boys from other estates and things like that. And there was a girl that actually got raped. And even when that happened, I still couldn't fathom what was actually going on or why that would even occur. Um, so I, I grew up quite, I realized quite sheltered in that sense. I, I wasn't exposed to any of it. Um, domestic violence or anything like that in my family but certainly around there were ladies and women and young lady young girls being attacked by men but as you grow up I think by the time you're about 12 or 13 you innately know that men are and can be dangerous mm. no one actually sits you mm. down puts you in the room and tells you this but you, you start to lose your femininity and as you said I would you start manning up. You you mm -hmm. literally have this protection. You you speak differently. You yeah. walk differently. You you use different language. Can you I, lose your softness. Can I can I ask what's the cost of losing your softness for people who may not understand what that actually means? We can't lose our softness mm. because we have to protect ourselves. Mm. The softness will come out with around people, maybe our, our women, our girlfriends, or people who we trust. Mm. Um, and that will take a lot, a long time. Like you'd have to get to know somebody really, really well in order to display that softness. Cause obviously that's a vulnerability. Mm. Okay. Um, to me, there is the, the cost of not being able to tap into that hard side could cost you your life. Mm. Cause it's, it's the first line defense. Like, this guy's not going to mess with me if I show him that I've got a little edge. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And then, mm. you know, hopefully that's enough for him to know not you can't ever disrespect me. Mm. Especially if you know, I grew up in South London, Peckham, in the days where Peckham wasn't trendy like it is now. Mm. And I certainly, you know, what you said, Darwood, I was that girl. I mean, I didn't use the word bruv, but I certainly <laughs> said, you know, you can't step to me. My body language said it. Mm. And it was all to protect myself. Mm. You know, even though I grew up in a loving, caring, well-balanced home, I still knew that out on the street, I couldn't afford to not be like that. Mm. So your environment does determine a lot. Ro, how, how would you communicate not being able to tap into your feminine side because you're trying to protect yourself? It, I think it comes at a great cost for us, 100%. We can all agree about that. Not being able to tap into your feminine side or your softer side because of whatever the case might be, I think it takes a toll on your mental health because having to be on all the time, mm. consciously paranoid, you can't go any, 
anywhere without sending your live location, without telling a friend, without, you can't go on dates. It opens, it closes you off for romantic connections in a way that it wouldn't if you do not walk through the world in that way. There's always some sort of danger and it's always the first qualifying things mm. that you look for yeah. are you dangerous life? can you bring that to life okay a man is walking up to you what are you scanning and seeing from... his body language is the first thing Absolutely. yeah um Could i you made, break a, that down in I, made any way? I made a joke once um when we were in a in a gathering together and there was a friend of ours who's a big guy and sometimes i feel um most tall, big men don't realize their size and height when they speak to women. So I made a joke and it was just a running joke throughout the evening. But I later told him I wasn't serious. Um, he was speaking to one of the women in the in the gathering. And I said, yo, why do you, why do you keep leaning over like that? You're, you're towering over her. Can you stop? <laughs> so the whole evening, he was so conscious of like, he's like, oh, let me just keep let me just keep a feet away. Um but seriously, men, men, as as soon as you tower over someone, doesn't it doesn't matter if you're speaking in a in a in a tone of voice. Just keep keep your social distancing. For, if if I don't know you, why are you in my space? That's very true. Number one, mm. number two, think about what you what your opening line is going to be, because um, I look for cues for men that are aggressive in the mm. tone of in their aggressiveness in how they pursue me. So if you're like. So who are you here with? Where where you got? If you're asking me too many questions, yeah, you're qualifying. Mm. You're, yeah. I'm like, why do you Control. need to know that? Mm. Why do you need to know where I stay, where I'm from? Like that information is information that's only privy to someone who's gonna either come to my house, walk me home, take me home. Yeah. But I don't know you, so I'm known. I'm <laughs> I'm also known as not the person to approach in a mm. club when we're out because I will. Mm. I'll ask you more questions yeah, and yeah. you leave not having any answers from me because I want to know why do you want to know where I stay? Does it matter? I think yeah. that's quite so sad. It, I really it is. feel that's quite Can sad. Can I just quickly fill in what the male yeah. version of that is? What he's mm. qualifying is if are you with another man and am I going to be dragged by the back of my neck yeah, while okay. I'm talking to you? So the first thing in his mind is is there a man there that is going to be offended by me talking to you that I now not have to fist fight because I'm talking to his woman? But so that's, I think that's, that, what, that that's, what, that's what pisses me off, though. Mm. Because do you, true, why do you have more respect for this fictional man that's either at home or that's in the room mm -hmm. rather okay. than me saying, listen... I'm, I'm, I'm. I know, I, I know what man. you're trying to do, and I'm really not here for that. I'm just here with my girls. We're just trying to have fun. Sometimes that doesn't help, and we have to. What come do you up mean you want to have fictitious... fun without me? <laughs> yeah, I think I. You I, have I... to have fun with this fictitious. Yeah. You have yeah. to make up a fictitious boyfriend sometimes. Okay, yeah. To yeah. say, listen, bro, I, I'm. I just and I know why you do that because rejecting a man is also very dangerous. Mm. So if you say to somebody like I, you know, I, you know, I can't. Um, I'm not going to give you my, my telephone number tonight, uh, or I'm I'm cool. You know that could easily turn into abuse. Yeah. So you think you're too nice. Da, 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 da. So we're constantly having to monitor even the the, the calmest guys that come to us. We have to be tapping into our intuition, mm. our sixth sense, just to ascertain whether or not this is a safe space to even have a basic conversation because yeah. it could flip, yeah. and that flip could end very badly for yeah. us yeah so you know I, I, mean? I have a desire for for being productive on podcasts yes yeah i would like to leave our listener mm. with yes. something so if i think if, if a woman is listening 
it's the affirmation that her needs are being heard and met after such a crazy incident. But as a man, male listener, it's a how to not encroach and not to make a woman feel unsafe. So it sounds like we have one, which is when you qualify question me and your proximity to me when you engage me are two things that are huge. Could we find two or three more that we could just say to men when you're engaging with women, especially if you don't know them, these are some really important things that you should consider. Black men approach all black women like you would approach a white guy at work. Ooh. That's interesting. Explain. Um, you know, as black people, you go into a workplace and you are not yourself. You have to okay. be less aggressive. You have to talk in a certain way so that people don't think you're aggressive or you're mm. overbearing. Why not do the same thing with black women? Mm. it's very simple you can be non-threatening mm. that should be your aim when you approach a woman be non-threatening you can teach yourself how to do that yeah yeah and that, um we all have um social cues when you're being aggressive and you have social cues when you want someone to come towards you mm. yeah, yeah. And, and that's what you need to do like i know that when i'm approaching women and that especially in a dance, like I crouch down, mm. like and it's been f- <laughs> crouching yeah. tiger. No, no, I, cr- I crouch down <laughs> in, dragon. In, a, hey. in a lean in a lean back stance, yeah. lean so back. that like <laughs> I know that I'm non-threatening, and okay. then women can assess and they don't put their guard up. They can Be- scan you. Yeah, let them scan. Have you seen those those little um, Vine videos of or just social media videos of men acting like they're they're gay? Yeah, I have. Oh, they really? pretend they pretend to be gay, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, girl, you," f-, and they make yeah. them look around, uh, yeah. and then when they're like, "Oh, we should hang out sometime," and she's like, "Oh, okay," and she gives her the number, and then he's like, "Cool, thanks, I'll call you later." Oh wow! Oh wow! Such a violation. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, so I, I would like to leave with one more because we've got yeah. we've got to wrap this one up. But like, um, do we have one more thing that we can say to men that's important? So do I, you I have remember. One? Well, I remember a post. Um, I think this was after Sarah Everard, and it was if you see a woman, um walking towards you on the same side of the street across the road 100% don't walk up behind women announce yourself uh, and then let them know that you're walking past and you don't mean any harm that's right um, and I think those types of things, especially with, are because women huge. wear headphones and stuff. Like, well, well, women they, don't wear headphones. Do, do you remember oh, the Samsung yeah. advert where they mm. put a, a head a headphones on a woman and she was running at night mm. in the advert, and they were like, "This is absolutely tone deaf," yeah. because yeah. we would never consider doing this because it's too dangerous. Oh, wow. So, like, I feel for us as men, because inherently good men get into this idea of like, in their head, I'm a good man, so mm-hmm. it can't you know, I'm they're not talking about me. And then they get really relaxed about how they engaged. And that's where you feel like you're a little bit entitled. And even and me that's... sometimes, I feel like, oh, but it's me, you know me. But like, no. nobody knows yeah. you. So yeah. I, I've had to like reprogram and just like keep a real distance yeah. in many ways. Not Because I, I don't think it's even just like socially. I think it's also just showing up in black women's life when you can't, you don't have capacity to help them yeah. fully. Yeah. Like all of them. Yeah. So it's like, when I say all of them, I mean the whole of them, yeah. not every single black woman. But I feel like sometimes, like, I remember because in one of my therapy sessions, there was this thing where it came up where I wanted to be the man that my mum needed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so it was a really deep thing of mine where I felt I needed to show up and give my resources, my platform, support black women as and when I met them. And if I met a black woman who was doing really good things, I was like, I have to help them. So what do you need? And take the thing. It's fine. Go. 
Um, but what that really, what that created was this thing of like, I was, I, I, I was constantly depleted. Yeah. And the, the, the dynamic was me being ultimately used for other things, but there was no care in the relationship. There was no respect. There was no honor. There was no boundary. It was just like take stuff. Yeah. So that's my limitation. That's me making that error of jumping in people's lives if by mistake. Uh. But I, I do think there's this like, this almost idealistic nature Mm. that we create around black women. And so when I was writing the Dope Black Dads book, I did a, a chapter called um, uh, Protect Black Women. And so in it, I just donated a chapter to women. Say your thing, how you want to say it, what do you need from men? What's been your experience? Tell me your story. We've got all these amazing testimonies. And my entrance to it is like, I grew up in a matriarch, matriarch at home and family. I've always honored, celebrated and loved black women. I see them as like nature. When I see someone somewhere, I'm like, I'm so glad you're here. Like the, what you create energetically around us mm. is just like, I want to preserve that at all costs. And the best example I could say is nature. Mm. When you walk around a corner and you've got a scene, like when you go to Jamaica or something and you see the blue mountains, you're like, mm. that's how it feels to me. And the, and the woman who was editing it was so, I'm so glad she said this because it was like, you are romanticizing and almost dehumanizing women by saying that. Because when women don't show up like that, when they can't show up like that, yeah you then can't accept them or, or people can't accept them because it's so difficult for people to process the blue mountains being uh, unloving or not being maternal or not being kind all the time or nice about stuff. Yeah. I was like, that's so true. And so sometimes even the depth of when you think you're on the right path, you can still not be on the right path Absolutely. with all the good intentions. So it was a lesson to me to like stay away at times actually my gift to them is not being involved in their life because a really nice guy turning up and helping you giving you money and a job and da, 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 sounds good on paper but if you can't sustain the care and support of that person long term you're actually interrupting mm. their journey mm. and it can be very confusing so just stay out of the way and that was like a real, another real thing of me to, so so my advice is like be conscious if you don't have capacity to one love that woman all of her and support her ongoing maybe staying away can be the best thing you can do because interrupting a black woman's peace with your idea of what they need may not actually help them. Yeah. I got, I got one thing to add. Yeah. And, and it's a wish that I actually um, wish I could just take away from men period. Yeah. But a lot of men I speak to think that women are not as intelligent as them. Okay, go on. And uh, and hmm. oh, they can't do certain things because oh, she's a woman, and they relegate her existence down to her gender. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, if you can just remove that and see a human being in front of you, because the way you speak to certain women, you would not speak to a guy like that because hmm. you know there'd be a repercussion. So just remove that, like start treating people that the possibility that someone's smarter than you is hmm. very real, Don't. and accept that and not be threatened by it yeah. or start feeling insecure. And I think a lot of men's reactions to women comes from that feeling threatened. Yeah. And so yeah. so yeah. it's the, the male fragility thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's not something that, you know, um, it's parenting. I think that's the elephant in the room here, mm -hmm. right? And that's just massive. Like, I wouldn't even know where to start. I don't have children. Mm. But a lot of this has to do with looking at what's happening at home and how it's mm. how how our young men are being raised. Mm. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Look, Leslie Darwood, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Uh, please make sure you click subscribe, follow, retweet, share, hashtag, what all the things that you need to do to stay in touch with us. If you want to email us, please get in touch at hello at dopeblack.org. Uh, but also make sure you follow us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. We still have our Dope Black Dads uh, uh, Facebook group uh, live in action. It's got thousands of dads from around the world talking about things every day. Um, and we really appreciate you being here. Make sure you subscribe also on Spotify uh, as well. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.